Life, How to Retire in Paradise on a Shoestring Budget. Written by Dawn Fleming. Narrated by Dawn Fleming. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm so excited to be here with you this week. I'm going to share my secret method of manifesting the man of my dreams. That would be Captain Tom. So any single folks, let me know and be sure and grab a pen and paper to take notes because I'm telling you this really works. And it's not just me, but uh, I've had friends that have done the same thing. So if you saw the topic, it was all you need is love. My promise to you is that if you stick with me to the end, I'm going to give you five steps to finding true love. And don't we all want that, right? But before we jump into that, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a really rude awakening that you've been building someone else's dream and you forgot to build yours? Hmm. I'm sure there's probably other people that have had that experience. So I got married the first time at age 22 and Uh, It was to who I thought was the man of my dreams. But unfortunately, I spent a decade building his dream. I worked two jobs and had really had a third one maintaining our household. And I helped him succeed in medical school and residency. And then I found myself single really for the first time in my life at age 31. And it was after a divorce that I didn't want. It wasn't my choice. And so I... I had decided at that point it was my turn. I elected to make a career change. I went to law school and that's our social conditioning, right? Have a life challenge, go back to school. Not always the best choice. It's what I did. A lot of times that's what people do. But for the next 10 years, I really had to learn how to live single. And I, (laughs) you guys know I'm kind of a book nerd, right? So of course I bought a book that said, That was uh, Learn How to Be Single or or The Art of Living Single, something like that. I can't even remember the name of the book. But I I literally had to read a book on how to be single because I moved out of my parents' house in with my first husband um, in college, and I never had been on my own as an adult. So in the book, it talks about practicing, doing things like going to movies by yourself, going to restaurants by yourself, which I... I don't think I'd ever done that, really. I mean, I'd never been to a restaurant by myself or a movie, probably. And so I, of course, good student, I followed the directions. And it was really awkward at first. But the more I did it, the easier it got. And, you know, being alone wasn't really a problem for me because I had a husband that worked 100 hours a week anyway. So I was with by myself a lot. And I was an only child till I was nine. So I was really good at entertaining myself and and being alone. But as I mentioned, I, I, as an adult, I always had a mate, even if you worked 100 hours a week. So I, I didn't have a big support network when we moved from Minnesota to California. I hadn't really invested in having a, a community around me. And, and I paid the price for it um, dearly, almost with my life. And I made the effort to, to change that in that, that period that I was single. And I, so I grew a, a pretty large circle of like-minded friends that really increased exponentially when I got into the network marketing industry. Eventually, I did start dating. And actually, I could write a really funny book about all the dating horror stories, but I won't go into that here on Valentine's Day. Um, but let's just say I kissed a lot of frogs in a pretty futile attempt to find my prince. Ultimately, I did give up 
And I had really decided being single was just fine with me. I, I had really created a pretty happy life, you know, aside from the fact that I was practicing law and wasn't really that thrilled with my, my profession. But, you know, I, I had a nice house. I had a nice car. I had nice friends. Um, I, was, I was doing fine. I was actually having a pretty good time with, with a lot of my single girlfriends back then. So I decided, you know what, it's way too much work. I was tired of the uh, match.com dates from hell and, you know, th- that whole um, vibe of, of really trying hard. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to give up. Maybe I just wasn't meant to, you know, I had my heart shattered to a million pieces. Maybe I just am not, I'm not ever going to meet anyone else. Like that was, that was it. And, and that's okay. So, but just before I decided to surrender and, and give up on that, that whole scene, I did this kind of silly little exercise that I had read about in a self-help book. And the book actually was really great. I recommended it to many people through the years, but it was um, actually on, you know, I had a lot on toxic relationships. Like, you know, if you see this run. Um, so it was really helpful to me because like I said, I didn't really have a lot of experience dating but what the book, in the back of the book, it, there was an exercise and it said, and this was actually one of my first manifestations. I had, had manifested a few other things, but this was really kind of a big one, right? And it said to write down all the characteristics of my perfect mate. So in short, what I, I came to realize later was I placed an order with the universe on what I wanted. And the list was actually really long and really detailed. And it said, you know, write the physical description. What color hair do they have? What color eye care? What's their weight? What's their height? What kind of body physique do they have? Then it went into their values and religious preferences and educational level and desire for learning, social activities. It was really a super detailed list that I made. You get the idea, right? It, the, the idea was it needed to be very specific. And so I did take the time to do that. And then the instructions for this exercise were, after making the list, fold up the piece of paper, put it in your wallet, and forget about it. And I did. Honestly, like I said, I, that was my final act before I waved the white flag in the dating scene and surrendered. And I forgot about it. It was actually quite some time, I want to say like maybe a year After Tom and I had been together, I was either looking for something in my wallet or I was cleaning it out or something, and I came across the list. And I was astonished, absolutely astonished, to read over it and discover that my man had been delivered exactly as ordered. And the amazing part of this story is that this experience isn't just unique to me, as I say, over the years, I've recommended the book and exercise to many other people. And I'll, I'll put a link to it in the comments after this video is over. If you guys, especially if you single folks want to get that, I hope it's single folks, right? Hopefully. Um, but one of my friends, Amy, that I, I was uh, friends with for many years and, and still connected to actually did the same exact exercise that I did. She got the book. She did the exercise. And I'm telling you, she married her perfect mate six months later. And that was close to 20 years ago. Uh, it, it's really astounding. And, and there have been others too. But there's a catch, 
of course, and that is you must make room. In my case, three months after Tom and I met, I ended up having major surgery. And my parents, I was living in Southern California at the time. My parents came to stay with me from Tucson, Arizona, but they left the day after I got out of the hospital because my mom was still working and she had taken time off before my surgery, um, cleaned my house while I was gone and all that, but I was on my own. And Tom and I, like I said, we, we were really just friends. Then our relationship really hadn't blossomed yet. And But he came to visit me in the hospital and he asked me, who's going to take care of you, Don? And I could barely make it to the bathroom alone. And I said, no one. And he stepped up, either cooked me dinner or brought me food, takeout food, and really whatever else I needed, went to the grocery store for me. I mean, he was, he was an angel when I really needed it. And Tom was living on his boat at the time, but he was staying with me for about uh, four or five nights a week. And he, his dad had passed away. He was uh, kind of tending to his mom, having dinner with her. And he, so he would bring his things, his clothes and toiletries and whatnot in a backpack. And after about a week of him, you know, going back and forth and, and all that, I invited him to use the dresser that was on his side of the bed. And I had a matching one on my said side of the bed and mine was full and he opened the drawers and saw that they were empty. He, he said, why, why are these, why is this dresser empty? And I replied, I'm waiting for someone to fill it. And I also had empty space in my closets. I had room for Tom. Now, I have a very good friend in Southern California, and she's been single for a long, long time. Um, got engaged, close to getting married. And then, um, honestly, I think she kind of sabotaged it. But she has um, a handbag fetish, <laughs> a clothes fetish. She had this, um, and I haven't, I haven't seen her in a while, so I can't say that this is still the truth. But at the time, I remember she had this enormous walk-in closet that was literally stuffed to the gills. I mean, she had, you know, those plastic shoe boxes, and they were all stacked to the ceiling in her walk-in closet. There were so many clothes in there on the clothes racks. You could hardly fit anything more in there. You know, she had a, you know, kind of a, a girly bedroom and, and that's okay. You know, that was her, her style that she liked, but didn't really see how there was room for anyone else. Now, I don't know, maybe she wouldn't want to have someone else live in her space or whatever, you know, to each his own. But I just, you know, that energy, um, that fullness, right, that, that, that uh, no room for anything else energy, I think really makes a big difference. And it reminds me of, uh, of this um, story about uh, Tukusan, a scholar full of knowledge who went to see Master Rayutan to learn more about Zen. And during their meeting, the master refilled Tukusan's teacup. And the master kept pouring out of the teapot even after the cup had been filled. And the tea ran all over the table. And the uh, and Tukasan said, stop, stop, the cup is full, said Tukasan. And the master said, exactly. You are like this cup. You're full of ideas. You come and ask for teaching, but your cup is full. I can't put anything in it. 
before I can teach you, you'll have to empty your cup. And so if you're wanting something new to come into your life, you want a mate, I ask you, have you made room for one? And of course, do you know what it is that you're seeking? So I have to share with you an overseas life redesign love story. I think it's just apropos for this, this day, right? This Valentine's Day holiday. So I'm going to share that with you. I discovered this beautiful island six years ago. And when I got off the ferry, I said, I want to live here for the rest of my life. It just took me a while to get here. When I got off the boat, I knew I had arrived home. It was, it was an incredible experience. You just, my life was enlightened. It was, it was like a breath of fresh air. It, it, and I was so glad I did come and then took on this new adventure in my life. At the time that I started this journey, I was living in San Antonio, Texas, working at home, and I was caring for my mother who was 97 years old, and she was suffering from terminal dementia. As her life declined, so did mine, and I had no life. And when my mother lost the ability to recognize me, and know where she was, I was able to get my freedom. It was at the end of the academic school year. If I don't try it now, if I don't attempt to rebuild my life, you know, it'll be another year and then another year. And so on kind of a whim, I booked a, a six-week plane trip to my happy place to see if I could live in paradise. As far back as when I was 17, I, was a, I became a policeman. Within the first month on the job, I had the experience of a plane crash where there was 117 souls were lost on the plane, not knowing then, today, how that dramatically had affected me. 40 years later, I witnessed the death of a very close friend. That trauma set me back to the the plane crash. That hospitalized me for a year when I ended up getting divorced and lost everything. I realized in about late May, early June that I, I wanted to move. I move overseas, but that's all I knew. I had no idea what to expect, what to look for, costs. What I came across was Don's free course learned in the course was everything that I needed to put in place, but more so the confidence to move forward on this new journey of my life. It opened my mind, my life to existence that I didn't know I had. And Dawn has built a really fabulous group of people as we help and nurture each other. And that's really wonderful. And um, as a result of that, I met a very special man. Okay, well, that is quite a love story because there's a wedding that's taking place. I just got a text today. It's uh, finalized three o'clock on February 25th. Paul and Diane will be getting married. 
on the beach here on the Caribbean side of the island, and Tom and I will be their witnesses. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere with the economic satisfaction of earning in paradise? Imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Then grab our free paradise checklist to begin dreaming again and start defining your paradise. It's waiting for you at paradisechecklist.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. The thing is, Diane was very happy. You, you saw she had a very difficult um, period before she moved to Paradise in taking care of her mom with dementia, but she did. And she, she created this beautiful life, right? She, she got this apartment in paradise and, you know, every day sets her alarm for four o'clock. It's time to go to the beach, you know, works in paradise and is, you know, earning from paradise. And yet on her dream board, she did have a mate on there. She had a, actually was a silhouette of a couple walking hand in hand on the beach. And, The funny thing is we dropped Paul off on her doorstep, kind of a weird story. It was in the midst of a hurricane. Um, It was really like divine intervention, the way things worked out, because it wouldn't have normally had unfolded in that way, but for the the hurricane. And and so I have, um, I promised you the the five steps, right? The five uh, lessons here that I was going to share with you. So I'm going to jump into those as we close out because my husband's in the process of putting together a lobster dinner. So I'm going to jump into those. Number one, clarity. Clarity plus emotion, two very important pieces, right? And so even though I forgot about the list in my wallet, right, my order had been placed, I took the time to think about what I wanted. And there was emotion attached to each one of these elements, each one of these characteristics that I wanted to have attracted into my life. And so that universal magnetism, plus my subconscious were working in the background, 
I talk about that in Claim Your Dream Life, right? Sort of that, that programming that's always running in the, the background software that's running. And they conspired together to deliver exactly what I wanted. So clarity. Get clear. What do you want, right? I, I talk about that in the workshop. I talk about that in the book. Most people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. They don't put in the time to determine that. So clarity. Number two, create space. When we want something new and wonderful to come into our life, we've got to make the room for it, right? Create the space for it. Whether it's the dresser, the closet, the emotional space, right? I could, if I was still wounded, if I hadn't have gone through that, those 10 years of really enjoying Dawn and being happy with who I am in my own skin and, and being able to make friends and have close relationships and feeling good about who I was, I don't, I, if I'd have met Tom 10 years earlier, I doubt we would have come together. It, I needed that space to recover and heal from the devastation of my first marriage. And Diane had a spare bedroom for Paul. That's why he got dumped on her doorstep. Had she not had her guest bedroom, things might have turned out differently, right? So that's create space, make space for what it is that you want is number two. Number three, become whole. Become whole, love and be happy with yourself first. What a lot of people don't realize is no one can ever make you happy. You must do that alone first. You have to take responsibility for your own happiness. Don't put that burden on a mate. Don't put that on them. It's not fair to them and it won't be a healthy relationship if that's the case. That's how you attract a mate, not desperation. It's just like sales. We used to teach this in network marketing. Um, we used to joke about the the um, guys and print. Our first company it was a lot of young guys, young guys from LA that would wear these suits. They didn't look like they belonged in suits, and they would dress up in their suits and they would take their sales tools, sales uh, literature to the mall. And we used to joke they looked like they had sharks, on, shark fins on their back, and they would go cruising through the malls, prospecting, looking for people. And it was, it's desperation, right? You could smell it a mile away and it's not attractive, right? And and it's whether it's in business in sales or if it's in um, personal relationships, you know, the, the come on lines at the bar. I mean, it's just icky, right? So, and in the case of Tom and I, both of us were complete. Neither one of us needed the other people. And the same is true with Diane and Paul. They were, none of us were desperately trying to find a mate. So sometimes I gave you the key, right? I surrendered. I, I waved the flag. I got tired of the dating, you know, the dates from hell. And that is inevitably what, you know, made it attractive, made the mate attractive. Number four, friends first. And this is kind of funny. When Tom and I went on a, our first date, I didn't know what it was a date, really. He just took me sailing. And he asked me, so what kind of beer do you like? And I said, well, I really like Pacifico. So when I showed up for that sailing trip, guess what? He had ice cold Pacifico. In fact, he broke his own rule because 
um, in California, here we can get it in cans. In California, they only sold Pacifico in bottles. There's no glass allowed on, on our boats. Usually there was no glass allowed on Tom's first boat or the boat he had when I met him. And there's no glass allowed on our boat. He, he bought glass bottles. And then it was a couple months had gone back, past and we went out sailing again. And actually, I think it was the second trip. Uh, maybe it was the first one. I don't know. But I was telling him these dating stories from hell. I told him, I told Tom things I would never say on a date if I would have thought it was a date. But it wasn't. It was just a sailing trip with a friend. And when I went back the second time a couple months later to go out sailing with him again, guess what? He had Pacifico. I didn't tell him. I didn't remind him. He remembered. So guys, there's, there's a clue there first, right? So number four is friends first. I, I really highly recommend that. Number five, don't judge a book by its cover, but do look for clues to character. In this instance, it was funny. I was practicing law at the time. You know, I owned my own home. I had my cute little sports car. Um, I was looking pretty hot, right? And my dad at first didn't care for Tom. He's like, oh, he lives on an old boat. He drives an old car. You know, dad, uh, oh, he's not good enough for you, that sort of thing. And later on, after he got to know Tom better, he said, you know, Don, I was wrong about Tom. Tom's really a great guy. I said, yeah, I, I know that dad. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't buy it. Right. It's just the superficial things, but you know, he didn't owe anybody any money. He had, he had, you know, been recovering from a business failure and you know, he had a great job and, and he was doing fine, but you know, that wasn't to my dad. Oh, that wasn't good enough. But here's the thing. These are the clues. He treated his mom. Well, every week he went to see her for dinner. He had dinner with his mom. After his dad, he did that for years after his father passed. He made sure his mom was taken care of. And I found that that's a clue how a man treats his mother can be very indicative. Number two, he owned his own tux. <laughs> you probably think this one's funny, but I thought that was important. Like, you know, he he owned his own tux. He, he was of good breeding, right? And he had his own silver. He, he lived on the sailboat, but he had this, uh, this case, this wooden case of silverware, right? Flatware. So he had a tux and silverware. So um, I knew he was, was of good breeding, right? I told you about the favorite beer. But the other thing was the selfless caring after my surgery. Nobody, he didn't have to take care of me. I mean, I had I had a hysterectomy. There was no sex involved for a very long time, right? It was it was selfless caring. He he was there for me in a way that I was that I was blown away. Like, and he'll tell you. I asked him after after a couple of weeks. I'm like, don't you have somewhere to go? Am I keeping you from something? And he said, no, no, I'm here for you. And that was pretty cool. So. There are a lot of diamonds in the rough and a lot of times, especially back then, I mean, that was 20 years ago and we can, we can get caught up in the superficial and, you know, how do they look? And, you know, I think you'll agree with me that the older we get, right, it's more about character. It's more about the beauty that's on the inside and less about what you see on the outside because that's not the soul of a person, right? The soul is who they are on the inside, but that comes out and we can see that. 
So those are my five tips for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's right about 30 minutes. We're, we're coming down to the end here. So I'm going to close it out. I appreciate you all so much. My heart is so full of love this Valentine's Day. I just got back from visiting my mom, celebrating her 80th birthday. She had about 60 friends at her birthday party. She was so overwhelmed with the love. And, and we surprised her with my two brothers being there. Um, she didn't know when they were coming. That just filled my heart um, that we were able to all be together there for her birthday. So it's been an amazing week. And I uh, send you all lots of love. Thanks, everybody. This has been Claim Your Dream Life, How to Retire in Paradise on a Shoestring Budget, written by Don Fleming, narrated by Don Fleming. All rights reserved to Don Fleming.